This is College Dame Day, a podcast for college football fans, hosted by three sisters who recap last week's games, talk about upcoming matchups, and find some time to trash talk the teams they don't like. Let's join Megan, Amy, and Laura as they break the huddle and kick off this week's episode. Hey everybody, welcome to our special editions of College Dame Day. Uh, Hope everyone's hanging in there. Uh, This week's podcast, we are looking forward to football in 2020. We're keeping our fingers crossed. We wanted to kind of think through what our predictions would be for the Huskers' wins and losses, and if we think we're going to be able to go bowling this season. Uh, So what do you guys think? Definitely. We're definitely going bowling. Okay, we've got it definitely. I put 12-0 as a joke, but I am saying 10-2. Oh, it's very ambitious. I know we have a very, like, hard five-game stretch at the end of the season, and that's where we drop two of them, you know, maybe on the road or something, but I'm going with the optimistic 10-2. and two. Which two do you think are most likely? Well, I've been back and forth. I think the game that we need to be really careful of that – is one of the games that we should win. But if we're looking past them to Cincinnati, I think that the South Dakota State game could get difficult. Um, They took Minnesota to the wire last year. And I know that they had them in their season opener. So they had like all, you know, summer season and to prepare for that game and stuff. And I, I do think that the underdog has the advantage in that instance. So um, I'm glad that we don't have them like very first. Um, but I do think that's a game that we need to take seriously and not be like looking past them. Like I said, to Cincinnati, um, I think the Cincinnati game is the one I'm going to go to this fall if, if it happens. So fingers crossed. Um, and then the game that I'm probably looking most forward to is the Penn state game, just because we haven't played them. Like when we first joined the big 10, I think we played them like the first three seasons. And then except for the game in 2017, when Saquon Barkley like ran all over us, we haven't played them at all except for those first three, which we won all three of those first games. So, um, yeah, I think that's the game I'm looking most for, just because like they're the most unfamiliar to me because we haven't played them as much, I guess. Um, but I, I think that our our two losses that I have, like I see us being able to win every single game. Um, but I think the losses will come from probably Ohio State and Wisconsin. So, okay, think we're going to get Penn State this year, huh? I do. Yes, I. I feel like Scott is good at preparing, especially those teams that haven't like seen us as much. I feel like he's good at that. So, um, like the first time we played Ohio State, uh, since he was coach, I mean, it was like a five point game. Um, and Urban Meyer even said like, after that year, he said that they're on our team to prepare for off of just one week. And so, yeah, I think we get that game versus Penn State. Yep. Yeah, and the advantage to that Penn State game is that they're coming to Memorial Stadium, so we'll have them at home. I like it. Well, I am a little bit more of a realist, so I'm not quite so optimistic as Amy. I have us going eight and four. I do think that the Ohio State game will be very difficult for us to win. I don't see that happening. I'm a little less optimistic about Penn State. Wisconsin is always hard. 
And after this year playing Minnesota, I just, I'm afraid of playing them again. So I have those four games as the ones that we could possibly lose. Um, and I do think that if we overlook South Dakota State or Cincinnati, I feel like we could drop one of those games too if we're not ready for them and prepared and, you know, taking them seriously. I think our out-of-conference schedule um, is a little bit more difficult this year because those are two quality teams um, that we're playing outside of the Big Ten. So I have eight and four, possibly seven and five. Um, but either way, I do think we'll go bowling this year. I hope so, too. Hopefully a good one, too, because I'd like to travel to it. I a little torn between going nine and three and eight and four. I'm going to say nine and three. I think some of the bad luck we had this past year with like, you know, ball bounces going the other way, turnovers always going right into the hands of uh, the opposite team. So I'm going to say luck's going to be on our side this year as well as talent. So I'm actually going to go nine and three. I'm going to agree with you guys. I think we have a really good shot at going seven and oh, if we kind of keep our mentality just a week at a time, I think our drops are probably going to be to Ohio state, Penn State and Wisconsin. I think we can beat Iowa. And I think Minnesota graduated a lot of their seniors. So I do not think the quality is going to be back this year. So I'm feeling pretty confident we can um, beat them as well. So I'm going I'm to go 9-3. and three. It's at home too, the Minnesota game. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I mean, they do have that one freshman receiver. But when you were like the only one versus like, I think he had like three really good receivers last year. It's easier to shut down just one person than it is three. Right. Um, I think we'll win the Minnesota game too. So Laura, which game are you looking forward to the most? So this was tough. There's a lot of good games on the schedule. I picked one that's a little bit more unique. It's a game we've talked about that we can't overlook. I picked Cincinnati um, out of the American Athletic Conference. Luke Fickle, I think is a really, really good coach. We are actually playing them in a two game series. We play them again in 2025. Um, but he actually coached Cincinnati to 11 and three record um, last season. And he ended the note uh, or the season on a note for a win from the Birmingham bowl. So he's definitely got the program trending in the right direction. I think it, it will be a tough, but a good game. And I'm excited to see his matchup against them. Yeah, I agree. Yes. I'm really excited for it. I just like it when we play teams that we haven't matched up with a lot in the past. It's like a fun new thing. Megan, looks like you have a little bit of a revenge factor. What game are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to playing Iowa. This year, the game against Iowa was a heartbreaker. We were so close. I feel like we should have won that game. It would just be so sweet to beat them in their home stadium. So I am looking forward to that game, and I'm hoping for a better outcome this year. And maybe even a game we can kind of relax against, right? Fingers crossed, uh, Rutgers. Yes, I'm also looking forward to Rutgers game. I feel like that one will be the game where we can just eat our snacks and enjoy the football. Knock on wood. Amy? I have Penn State picked, um, like I said, just because we matched up with them a lot, like when we first came into the Big Ten, and then it seemed like we didn't play them a whole lot. All right, so we've got a lot of exciting games to look forward to. Of course, the next pressing question is, who will be the starting quarterback for Nebraska? And I'd say it's a pretty open race from what I've heard. Um, what What are you guys' thoughts on this? Well, I haven't heard anything. I find it hard to believe that Scott's going to go with someone besides Adrian. I feel like that's his MO. Is He's very loyal. And, you know, if there was some health concerns and some injuries, you know, and Adrian's healed. Like I, I really see Scott giving him another chance and, you know, letting him start at least and see how he does. Um, if he doesn't, I think my 
next pick would probably be McCaffrey because of what we saw in the past season from him like as a, a redshirt freshman. And so I could see the, the job going to him. But honestly, I have no idea. What do you think, Amy? Okay, well, I'm torn too, because I do think Scott is like super loyal. And so I think maybe Adrian might get the nod at first because of that. But I do think if he has another rough season, and and he's coming off of like a shoulder surgery. So I guess we'll see what happens. It's hard them not being able to practice and hearing reports of like what's coming out of practice. We're just like going into it blindly. What I see happening is, is either Adrian like snapping out of that sophomore slump he was in last year or it going downhill like really fast. And if that happens, I do think Scott will be like forced to put somebody else in. And I can really see Luke McCaffrey just because he is young. He doesn't have, he's kind of like how Adrian was starting as a true freshman. There was like no pressure on him whatsoever. We hadn't had, you know, a great QB in a while. And so they're just, when you take over and there's not big shoes to fill, I feel like it's easier to perform. And so I could see McCaffrey like stepping up and getting the job just because he can run, he can pass. He's like a little scrambler. I just think he can do it all. He is kind of a little undersized, but I feel like Eric Crouch was too. And I mean, he was a high end. So I just don't think that the size thing is that big of a factor. So that's how I see it going, playing out is if Adrian is well enough to play after his surgery, Scott starting with him and sticking with him out of loyalty, just because I think he promised his family a lot, especially when he got him away from Tennessee and got him to come to Nebraska. Um, but then if he doesn't perform, I see Luke taking over. I do think Vedral is like the calm, like steady, you know, but he just doesn't have the playmaking abilities. I don't think that Luke has. Okay. I think what Vedral adds to the team is just, he's very comfortable with the offense. He runs it really well. And I think when he is in, he is a calming presence, like Amy said, um, but I agree. I don't think he's an explosive enough of a player to have a starting position. Like, I think he's always going to have that sort of backup go in when things are kind of going haywire, calm the team down sort of position. So currently on the depth chart right now, there's six listed for quarterback. One of them's redshirting. So uh, Braden Miller is. So essentially the race is between Martinez, McCaffrey, Vedral, which we've all mentioned, Logan Smothers, and then Matt Masker. I think we're all kind of in agreement. It's probably between Martinez, McCaffrey, and Vedral, and then even further than that, Martinez and McCaffrey. Um, Amy mentioned Adrian had surgery. It was on his non-throwing shoulder. Um, and then I think there was a rumor that he had some, another surgery possibly on his knee. So again, I think it's going to come down to how Adrian rehabs, what he can do. I do agree with Megan. I think Scott's going to be loyal to Adrian. So it's kind of his position to lose. I do think ultimately Scott will start him, um, but I've been impressed with Luke. I wanted to throw this question out to you guys. I don't think it's likely, but do you see any sliver of there being a dual quarterback system? Well, here's the thing. I've thought about this. Um, do you guys remember when like Tommy Frazier and Brooke Beringer kind of like due to like injuries both ways, but it kind of became like a dual quarterback and it, it actually like worked. But I, I only think it can work if the two quarterbacks or like at least one of them, I don't know. 
Yeah, I think when they're two, when they bring two very different things to the offense, it works. Obviously, Tommy Frazier was scrambling, running. Brooke Berenger was more of the classic, you know, drop back, passing quarterback. I think in this instance, Martinez and McCaffrey are very similar in what they offer, you know, in terms of athleticism. And so to me, it seems like it would be a harder thing to manage. I'm not a fan of that, although I I know that it does work sometimes. I don't like having a dual quarterback system um, because I, I feel like it just creates a little bit of confusion with the team as to like who the leader is. I'm just not a fan. I think it could work. I just, I, I hope that it doesn't come down to that. Cause like I said, I'm, I'm not a huge fan. Well, I feel like they are similar in that they both can like scramble and run and they can also both pass. But I feel like Adrian more struggled with like the easier of a passage that it should have been. Do you guys remember like when Quincy and Nunwa played and it was like, if the ball was right to him, he was going to drop it. But if it was like a super difficult catch to make, he could like had a chance at making it then. That's what I feel like Adrian kind of was this past season. Those like really short screen passes, like the timing was never right for Wandale to like catch it. I feel like those shorter, like that's what he struggled with more. And I, I could see like McCaffrey being able to execute that better. And then, but, but I still feel like Adrian's deep ball was fairly proficient this year. Cause like, I remember hitting Wandale and JD deep and it was almost like the deeper the ball or like the harder he had to like thread it through the needle that the more likely he mm-hmm. was to complete I don't know it was just like the the easier things he struggled with I don't know if it was because it was like a thing for him but I think maybe McCaffrey wouldn't struggle as much with that yeah I think one of the bigger things that we saw Adrian struggle with this past season was just the mental aspect of the game and McCaffrey didn't struggle with that because there was no pressure on him at all Well, we will get a little taste of football this weekend as Nebraska announced that they will be actually streaming a virtual game. Um, So we all know the spring game was supposed to happen, was canceled. But the story broke today that there will be a virtual spring game and it will feature some of the greats of the past. Um, And then our local Husker Sports Radio Network will be providing the audio. So I'm kind of excited for this. Are you guys going to be tuning in? I'm super excited. They're doing a play-by-play, the radio um, crew is. And, yeah, it's all, like, the Husker, like, legendary greats that are going to be involved. Um, So, yeah, I'm going to be watching via Facebook because I don't have Twitter. But I'm super excited to watch it. I think it goes to show, too, how much football means to us as a state because I don't hear any other (laughs) schools that are doing anything like this. It's just like, Oh, spring game canceled. Okay. It's not because like half of them, like there's nobody in the stands barely when they play their spring game anyway. So I just think it's funny how excited we all are that it's going to be like a fake game (laughs) coming out. But yeah, it looks like, so it looks like Georgia and Notre Dame are doing something kind of similar Georgia is rebroadcasting the 2019 against Notre Dame. And then Kirby Smart's going to tweet commentary. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's so lame. And then Notre Dame is replaying the 2006 game against UCLA. Um, so there will be fan chat and trivia questions and chances to win fighting Irish apparel. No one wants that. Right. But people do want trivia questions. So we've all put together um, a collection of some trivia questions. And we will go ahead and get started with Amy. Okay. 
I have some just random ones. I was just, I got carried away with my research for this. Um, so some are pretty weird and random, but I think we'll all learn something. Um, okay. When was the last time that we led the nation in scoring defense for the season? I will say 2001. I'm torn between like Sue's years, like around 2000. Oh, or do I want to go back farther? Let's go back farther. Let's go 95. You should have gone Sue (laughs) because it was 2009, the year Caden was born. I was going to say 2008 when I guess Sue, dang it. 2009 under Bo and Carl Polini, we had Indomitian Sue, we had Jared Crick, and then we had Prince Samugamara playing um, corner. We averaged only letting teams score like 10 points a game, and we had two shutouts that season. So that, like, I kind of forgot what a good defense we had then. Yeah, because that wasn't that long ago. It was over 10 years. It was 10 years ago, but I mean, I think for most Husker fans, we feel like it's been 25 years since we were great. (laughs) And we forget about those, like, you know, we still had a lot of records. Yes, we did. So I thought that was interesting because I also thought that it would have been a lot, like, further back. But, yeah, 2009. Okay, so going in to this next one, I'll go ahead and ask my trivia question, and then I have a few jokes, um, which I know you guys love. Okay, what was, and this is a three-part. You get to guess three things. What was our highest-scoring quarter ever? You can guess the year, which quarter it was, and who we played against. So at least one of those, you have a 25% chance of hitting the right answer. Um, I have zero idea, so I will go with, K-State, I'll go with quarter number two, and I will say in the year 2014. Okay, Megan? I'm going to say 1996 against Florida, and I'm going to say the third quarter. Well, you got the quarter, Megan. It was the third quarter. (laughs) It was actually much earlier. In fact, only one of us was born at this point. Okay. It was in 1983, and it was against Colorado, and we had 48 points in the third quarter. We had seven touchdowns, and they were all – six of those touchdowns were in the first 10 minutes of that quarter. Oh yeah, we did um, miss one extra point, which is why we only had 48 points and not 49, but I thought that was like a really interesting stat because that's like a ton of points for one quarter. That is. That's a really interesting stat, and it's even sweeter that it was against Colorado. So I like that trivia. Going into my my jokes, what is the only useful thing about buffaloes? Their wings. Oh, I give up. Buffalo sauce. (laughs) Okay, well, it's very close with buffalo wings. Also, and this is a more recent joke, think about this year. What kind of tea does Colorado drink? M.T. Like their souls. Close. Pennell. <laughs> Classic. Good one. They almost like led the nation in penalties. It was, they were really bad penalties this year. Okay. Yeah, that's not hard to believe. So moving on. Those are both good jokes. Um, when did 
our sellout streak start? I'm going to say 1964. Okay. You're very close. It is when um, Bob Devaney started. It's in 1962. It was November 3rd, 1962. Does anyone want to take a stab at who we played that game? Iowa State. Iowa State. I don't even know if they were in the Big 12 yet or Big 8, whatever we were in. It would have been, yeah, the Big 8. But it was against Missouri. Okay. So that was just a fun fact. And then our 300th was September 26, 2009 versus Louisiana Lafayette. So I just thought those were fun little stats. And actually, the game against Missouri, we actually lost, but it kicked off like an era of greatness. So it's okay that that happened. Um, All right. So on to my next question. And this one, I'm going to give Laura first guess because this is her main man. Peyton Manning. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Okay. Delete that. He does not even make our podcast. Who was the first Cornhusker to run for over 200 yards in a single game? I'm a little thrown off by you said this is Laura's guy. So. Little elf, Laura. You got this. Oh, okay. Is it Frank Solich? It is Frank Solich. Isn't that fun? Yeah, that is fun. Especially since I didn't even get to guess. That was really fun. Okay, well, I felt bad because she was like floundering. I tossed her line. Okay. Well, I was very confused because you're like, this is Laura's main man. So I was thinking like someone I thought was like super hulky and like sexy. So I was like, I have no idea who you're referring to. You always are like, he's so cute, your favorite and like everything. So that's why I give on to you. Anyway. Okay. So okay. you rushed for 204 yards against Air Force in 1965. Um, so I thought that was just a little fun fact. And I picked that question for you. Thank you. Okay. Next. Up. Not easy running in those elf shoes. No, it's not. Push the little bells on the top. Um, okay, so in a this is a more recent one. In a 2001 game against Baylor, the Huskers had four different players run for over 100 yards. Who were they? Crouch. Yep, Eric Crouch was one. Um, well, how about Amon Green? No. You would either be like, let's see, it's before Rex Burkhead. It's like Corey Ross. No. Okay, it was Thunder Collins had 165. Eric Crouch had 132. Darren Diedrich, do you remember him? He had 137, and Judd Davies had 119. So that was a pretty impressive stat, I thought. On to my next question. And this one I found really interesting as well. In the game of the century versus Oklahoma, who was the ref? (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, no, but we all know that that Johnny Rogers um, touchdown that he ran, the kickoff that he ran back um, was one of the touchdowns in that game. But do you know who scored the other four touchdowns of that game? It was one guy. Mm, I cannot. Sorry. I have no idea. Jeff Kinney, and he was the tailback. Um, And I am just going to tell you guys some fun things I learned from this, doing research for this question, because I didn't know that either, that he, because it's like all we think of that game is Johnny Rogers and his one touchdown, but he scored four. And also this game, it was like such a highly gambled game because it was like, you know, number one defense us versus number one offense Oklahoma. Did you guys know that Bob Devaney had our food flown in from Lincoln for that game because he thought it was going to get poisoned? No. Yes. And he wasn't worried about, like, the OU, like, people doing it. 
he was worried because it was like so highly gambled. He thought gamblers that would be because be favored in that game that would be betting, you know, to win money on Oklahoma. He was afraid that they would do it. And so, yeah, he had the food flown all the way from Lincoln that they ate the whole time they were there um, because he was really worried about them getting poisoned. Interesting. Um, yeah, that was just, I learned a lot of interesting things researching that game. Okay, my next question is, who was the first Cornhusker IBAC to run for 1,000 yards in a single season as a true freshman? Is this Amon Green? It is. Good job. Yes, he was, he was impressive right out the gate. Good job, Megan. Here's a little something from me because, well, I did pick this, but... But this is just think along who I like when you're answering this. Who was the first the player to rush and pass for a thousand yards in a, sing- in a single season? Gee, I don't know. Could it be Scott Frost? Oh, it could, because he's that good. So yes. Okay, and my my last question. Oh no, I have two more. Over what five year stretch did Nebraska go sixty and three? 94, 95, 96, yeah, 97. So 93 to 97. Yeah, that those seasons. That was when we went over that five-year stretch was 60 and 3, which is very impressive. Um, okay, and then my last thing is more of kind of a riddle. What was the loudest applause that was never heard at Memorial Stadium? My thighs clapping together as I left. No, exactly. would make noise. <laughs> um, but do you guys remember Kenny Walker? Our defensive tackle, he played in the early 90s. Okay. <laughs> Do I honestly answer that question? <laughs> okay, anyway, I guess we were kind of young. But I just, this is super interesting to me. He was completely deaf, defensive tackle. He would, like, look over on the sidelines, and they had, like, a full-time uh, sign language part. Like, there was, I think her name was, like, Mimi or something. And she would, like, sign to him throughout the game what he was doing, what like, what they were in. And he would just, like, look over to her constantly throughout the game. And then on senior day, which I don't know why it took us this long to do it, but on senior day, which was November 3rd, 1990, um, when he came out, the whole crowd learned, like, sign language and did it for him as he was um, coming out of, like, the tunnel and, like, you know, hugged his parents and stuff. And so, okay. and then after they did That's that, cool. they all, like, held their hands up and did the sign language for clapping instead of actually clapping so that he could see it. And um, so, yeah, I just thought that was, like, a really cool moment. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That is really neat. So they must have been signing him plays, though, because there's no way they signed him just a regular American Sign Language because someone could have totally read that. Well, and, I mean, he was on defense, so, like, it's not like it was a a play. It was more like a, you know, a format. Like, what are they in, you know, or whatever that series, you know, is it a blitz or not? So, yeah, I'm sure that they had some kind of signals that weren't, like, obvious. But, um, but yeah, anyway, I just thought it was really cool that they had someone, like, instructing him. That was really cool. Okay, thanks, Amy. Megan, on to you. Okay, well, I have some more Husker trivia for us. I'm going to start off with, who has the most career passing yards? I'll go with Eric Crouch. Hmm, Brooke Beringer. No, 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 no. Not career because he didn't even play the whole time. Um, actually, yeah, I think he passed for over four thousand yards. Okay, it is actually Tommy Armstrong. He passed for eight thousand eight hundred and seventy-one yards. Oh, oh my gosh! That, that, it was surprising to me. Um, not 
that accurate. Yeah. So as long as we're talking about passing, let's talk about Riker Fife. He is number six on the list for most passing yards in a single game, believe it or not. My question is, against which team did he set this record in 2015? It had to have been like Maryland or somebody really, really bad. I'm going to say Illinois. Okay, Laura's really close. Northern Illinois. It is Purdue. How many yards do you think he passed for in a single game? Um, 323. I'm going to say 287. 407. Okay. Oh, my gosh. So, so really surprising to me. So my next question is, who holds the record for most career rushing yards? Uh, I'm going to say Amon Green or Amir Abdullah. Yeah, I... I'll give you a hint. It's a Heisman winner. Mike Rogier. Yeah. All right. Nebraska's top 10 for most career rushing yards includes two quarterbacks. Who were they? And what positions did they hold on this list? Like what number did they hold on the top 10 list? Scott Frost and Eric Crouch. Okay, Eric Crouch has one. It's not Scott Frost because he only played two. Wait, can you repeat the question because... There's two quarterbacks on our most rushing. Top 10 for career rushing yards. Okay. So Eric Crouch and. I'm going to say Martinez. This Martinez? Which Martinez? (laughs) Yes. Taylor. It is. is. It's Eric Crouch and Taylor Martinez. Eric Crouch was number four and Taylor Martinez was number nine. See, I would have thought Taylor was up there further. All those like long runs he had. Like that one against Wisconsin. Yeah, but I mean, you have to remember Taylor Martinez and Eric Crouch had a longer careers than most of our other quarterbacks. So yeah, I know. I'm saying, I'm saying I thought Taylor would have been higher than than eight or nine or whatever she said. That's what I'm saying. Well, yeah, but you have to remember. I mean, we had a lot of great running backs too, you know, and they're going up against all of them when you're considering career rushing yards. Okay, who holds the record for the most rushing touchdowns? So career rushing touchdowns. Schlesinger. Okay, Amy. Um, Dan Alexander. Okay, it is Eric Crouch. And how many do you think he had in his career? 32. I'm going to say 53. Amy, you're really close. It was 59. Oh, wow. He averaged over more than one a game then. Well, he played all four years. He did. Yeah, and I mean, some of them he had like, you know, three or four. Yeah, I was thinking that maybe he didn't average at least one a game, but okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go to my next question. Who has the most career receptions? This one's tough because they can just be short little. It could be like a running back even that's catching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fairly recent. Samir Abdullah. Nope. Kenny Bell. Nope. It is Stanley Morgan Jr. Oh, wow. All right. This next question is a little more obscure. So I'm going to give you some of the information that I don't expect you to know, but I'm going to ask you um, the team that we were playing. So the record for single game receptions is held by Dennis Richnafsky. I'm sure you're familiar with him. Mm, okay. But in 1967. So my question is, which team was Nebraska playing when he set this record? Kansas. Okay, Laura, you're very close. Kansas State. Yes, it's Kansas State. 
Next question. Who holds the record for most receiving touchdowns in his career? I'll give you a hint. It's another Heisman winner. John Rogers. Johnny Rogers. It is Johnny Rogers. Good job, guys. Thank you. All right. This is my favorite question of all. Who holds the record for most career points? It's going to be a kicker. So Alex Henry. It is Alex Henry. Very good, Laura. Thank you. You take a stab at how many points he had in his career. 200. And I'm definitely in, in the threes. 377. Amy, you are super close. It was 397. Ooh. Oh, very nice. Good job. Okay. Who holds the record for the most touchdowns in a single game? Taylor Martinez. I feel like it has to be a, I don't know, Tommy Armstrong. The real answer is the legendary Harvey Rathbone in 1910. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so here's the real question. How many touchdowns did he score? So what's the record of most touchdowns in a single game by one person? Eight. I'll say seven. It was seven. Yes. Yes. Harvey Rathbone, 1910 against Haskell, the powerhouse. Two more questions, guys. Who holds the record for most career tackles? Sue. That's what I would have thought, too. It is not Sue. Is it a linebacker? I think it's a linebacker. Mm. Um, tell us what year he played. 2001 to 2004, because it's career tackles. Was it a, um, a rude brother? It was. Bo Rude. No, it wasn't. Barrett Rude? Barrett? It was Barrett, yes. All right, last question. Who holds the record for most career sacks? Is this one, Sue? It's not. What the heck? Was Strom. He played from 1990 to 1993. Okay, well, then it wasn't Wistrom and it wasn't Jason Peter. Was it it Christian Peter? It was not. He went on to have a great career at ESPN. I'm being sarcastic. Oh, Alberts. Trev Alberts. Yes, yes, Trev Alberts. Did you know that he played his very last game of – like a game against Florida State. Did you know that his elbow was like all busted and he still had, I think, like two single sacks that game by himself? And wow. He was like, I mean, I know we lost the game by two points, but um, he, he played, his elbow was either like broken or there was something really wrong with it and he just played through the game with it like that. Impressive. Good trivia. All right, Laura, do you have some trivia for us? Yes, and I'm going to do mine a little bit differently. So I have 10 questions for you. Nine are going to be closer to rapid fire, and then 10 is kind of your bonus at the end. So I'm actually not going to give you the answers after each one. I'm going to go through all of them, and then we'll go back through and recap them. So question one, when did Cincinnati and Nebraska last play? I actually didn't think it was that long ago. I will say 2008. Okay. Okay, I um, I cheated, so... <laughs> I shouldn't answer this one. Great. All right. Question two. Roy Hallou and Jamal Lord both wore which number? Ten. Megan? Fourteen. Okay. Question three. What is the largest national championship blowout of all time? I'm going to say the 95 season when we played Florida. But that wasn't 
a national championship game. That's why I'm. Yeah, it was a bowl game that led to a national championship. I don't know. I don't fully understand. We'll go on to the next one. Who are the top four winningest coaches at Nebraska? Tom Osborne. Tom Osborne, Frank Solich, Bob Devaney. I will say. Well, yeah, it's got to be Bill Pelini and Frank Solich. Okay, question six. The Sea of Red is a nickname for what landmark? Memorial Stadium. I mean, the fans. Okay. Next question. Where did Nebraska play games before Memorial Stadium? Coliseum. <laughs> Exarban. I feel like this is like a, a Harvey Rathbone question. I have no idea. All right. What is the seating capacity within 10,000 at Memorial Stadium? 93,000. It's, yeah, like in the, well, I think the seating is like 80, so, 80 something, but then with that, so. Are you talking about actual seats, Laura? Correct. I'll say, I'll say 85,000. Okay. What are Nebraska's two official mascots? Herbie Husker and Little Red. Lil Red. Okay. All right, and then your bonus question. Name at least seven of the last 11 starting quarterbacks for Nebraska since 2000. Okay, well, Eric Crouch would have been in 2000. Joe Gans. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's just go Tommy, T-Magic. Mm-hmm. Um, Tanner Lee. Jamal Lord, Tanner Lee, Adrian. I had a dream about Tanner last night. Did we get seven? You've gotten seven. Would you like to continue to try to get all 11? Okay. Can you um, clarify when you say starting quarterback, you mean if they started at all during the season or if they started the season? Good question. They had to be the starting quarterback for the season. Okay. Okay. Um, hmm. You're missing 2004 to 2007, 2009. One is a current head coach in the NFL. Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor. Very good. All right. So you guys got um, eight of them. We'll come back around and get the rest of them here. So going back to question number one, when did Cincinnati and Nebraska last play? We actually last played them in November 29th, 1906. So Megan, you know, just 102 years off. (laughs) Um, And although you're right, I'm sure a lot of people actually think like it was pretty recently we played them. We end up winning 41 to zero. So Kind of good juju for the upcoming season. Roy Hallou and Jamal Lord. Amy got this one. They both wore number 10. Quick bonus question for you guys. Who is Roy Hallou's wife? Um, That volleyball player, Jordan. Um, no. No, they don't tell me. I know this. I watched their wedding. Oh, my gosh. And I read their love story, how they met in, like, the athletic room. Like, they were both seeing the trainer at the same time. And like, he was getting taped up. And she was, like, getting something for volleyball or, like, he was icing. I don't know. It was, like, a really cute story. <laughs> um, he married that – it's that volleyball player. Please tell me her initials or something. <laughs> Danny. 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 Um, what's her last name? <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. So Amy's correct. It is the volleyball player. Her name is Danny Mancuso. So shout out to Nebraska Volleyball. I know we're getting a, giving a lot of love to football, but got to give a little, little love to our volleyball team. Question three, what is the largest national championship blowout? So this game is considered a national championship per the statistics because the winner was decided the national champion. 
So it is the Fiesta Bowl in 95, and the final score was 62 to 24. All right, question about the top four winningest coaches. Ding, 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 you guys got them. Um, Tom Osborne's obviously our winningest coach, followed by Bob Devaney, and then it is Frank Solich and then Bo Pelini. That's based off their win percentage. The Sea of Red is a nickname for what landmark? It is Memorial Stadium. Nebraska played their games at Nebraska Field uh, before Memorial Stadium. That was actually our location from 1909 to 1922 before Memorial Stadium in 1923. Seating capacity, you guys were very close. I gave you within 5,000. Um, it officially seats 90,000. We had 92 at one point, but then they took out some seats. We're at 90,000. Megan gets 93 and 85, so both very close. Nebraska's two mascots, Little Red and Herbie Husker. And I know Little Red gets a lot of hate, but Little Red actually won a national championship at the NCAA mascot competition in 1999 and was inducted into the Mascot Hall of Fame in 2007. I will also note that the um, Hall of Fame was selected by online votes, which goes to show you that any contest that's online, Nebraska will win. Shout out to the greatest fans. But what hates Little Red? (laughs) I don't love Little Red. Megan does not like him. Like him, I like him. He goes upside down and bounces on his head. That's like one of the favorite things. Well, like, I don't know. I just sometimes he, I don't know. All right, and then for the bonus questions, you guys did name seven of the eleven starting quarterbacks. The ones we missed were Joe Daly, Sam Keller, and Zach Lee. So from two thousand onward, it's Eric Crouch, Jamal Lord, Joe Daly, Zach Taylor, Sam Keller. Joe Gans, Zach Lee, Taylor Martinez, Tommy Armstrong, Tanner Lee, and Adrian Martinez. And here's the bonus question. Of that list, and I'm going to take off Eric Crouch because he was only on there for 2000, 2001. Who is the only one to have played all four years as the starting quarterback for the season? Is it Taylor Martinez? It is Taylor Martinez. All right. Well, hopefully that trivia gave you guys something to think on uh, during the quarantine. It was certainly challenging for all of us, but hope you guys enjoyed. If you have any fun trivia to share, definitely check us out on Facebook or Instagram. And if you're a listener, give us a shout. And a shout out to the Husker Nation. Follow them on Instagram and check them out. Have a good week, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to College Dame Day. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also hit us up. We are at College Dame Day on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Join us again next week for more college football content.